0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also reach out through the KPL app chat. Love to respond to you guys there. And there is a lot to talk about today. But I want to get started with a story that I have not mentioned yet. I wanted to take a couple days and kind of get my head right on this one because there's a lot to say on the subject of Tyree Nichols. Uh, The, I, I watched clips of the video. I didn't watch the full, uh, the full video of, of the, uh, of the incident. And, I did do a lot of reading on the, the different takes, the different interpretations of the event. And of course, on both sides, you have kind of the extreme takes on the left. You have the extreme takes that Even though these were black officers beating a black man to death, it's still systemic racism. These black officers were tools of a white supremacist, system. And on the other side, on on the far right side, you have the, well, it's obvious he didn't comply. He, he must have had something in his system. He was guilty of something. That was the, you know, the, he, he should have complied. He would be alive if he had complied, which you don't know. You don't know that for certain. You know, there's a there's another story that nobody is really talking about. There's a, an opinion piece of the New York Times on it. Another man, a 40-year-old white man. Uh, his name is Jared. What is his last name again? Uh, Jared Draper. 40-year-old man was high on meth. He was subdued. He was taken into custody by officers during his altercation with officers, he was clearly—well, I, I say clearly—he was clearly high. He was overdosing on meth. He was tased seven times, and actually left bloody gashes on it. He had bloody wounds on his legs from the tasing. Um, he was—he ultimately succumbed. To all that. For Tyree Nichols, the incident was so egregious that the moment they saw the video, the city of Memphis fired the cops and filed charges. For Jared Draper, there is no justice coming. The system works differently in different places. This isn't a white versus black thing. It's not a black versus white thing. It's not a systemic racism thing. We need to acknowledge once again, the existence of evil. This is, if you want to talk about the politics or the policy behind it, this is what happens when state power grows too powerful. When state authority grows too powerful. And they consider themselves untouchable and they can get away with whatever they'd like. For the people that want more law enforcement, you're asking for more state power. And that's on both sides of the aisle. The right, there are elements of the right that say no matter what, always black, always back the blue, yet we also are worried about government encroaching on our lives. On the left, it's always where there are too many guns, we need police to take the guns and also defund the police because it's systemically racist. We can't reconcile our true views with this knee-jerk reaction that we have to these stories. The bottom line is it's not indicative of the police system, of the law enforcement system of the United States. It's not, it's, ho- it's wholly corrupt it's ho- or that it's wholly trustworthy. It's neither one of those. Much like the U.S. government... Law enforcement is made up of people, and people are fundamentally flawed. While not particularly religious, I do tend to say that one of the things that makes me a conservative is that I believe in small government because I want as few sinners involved in my life as possible. Humans are naturally sinners. We were born in this state of sin. And even if you're not particularly particularly religious on that front... You, have, you recognize that humans are fundamentally flawed. And the more power that humans are given, the more that power tends to corrupt. And when you exist in this state of I am the authority, I am the law, that kind of Judge Dredd speak, I am the law, I am the authority, and that power corrupts you, that leads oftentimes to evil. And it's that evil that we're contending with right now. We are contending with human beings doing evil things, regardless of race, regardless of creed. It is humans who are doing these evil things. I find it very hard to be on the side that says, well, if Tyree Nichols had just complied or if Jared Draper had just not gotten high, he would be alive right now. Because what you're doing is you're blaming the victim. You are condemning that victim to death based on their actions without due process, without the system that we have established for some things. Police are not judge, jury, and executioner. They were never meant to be. And as a result... When this happens, when police becomes judge, jury, and executioner, faith in the system, the system that we normally mostly like and trust, it erodes a bit. And that's not good for us as a society. But what we need to do is we need to recognize that evil exists, and what has happened in these cases and others is that evil, no matter how big or how small, took control for that moment. In the case of Tyree Nichols, it was a very harsh and abusive evil, the kind of evil where multiple cops hold his hands down while one of the cops demands he raises his hand and surrender, an impossible task where he's given dozens upon dozens of conflicting orders in a span of just a few minutes and he cannot comply. In the case of Jared Draper, he got hooked on an addictive substance and he was overdosing and he was out of control and police went too far in trying to control him rather than recognizing the situation. In the case of George Floyd, an officer who puts who who puts his knee into the neck of a man, and he dies. It's not that the men are necessarily evil, but this evil act, this this evil takes over, this evil consumes them for that moment. Sometimes it is the person is evil, but more often than not, when it comes to like the case of law enforcement with far with few exceptions it's more a matter of the moment taking over and the wrong decision being made that one little act of evil that one little spark of evil sets into motion this sequence of events if we're speaking like i said on this politically it's a matter of state power and we have given far too much power to the state including to the law enforcement system we've ceded a lot of power to the system what's the whenever we come whenever we come face to face with a problem we don't like what do we do we write a law to criminalize it we cede more power to the law enforcement state that is our go to we We call the police. We put it on the law enforcement system. And their job is to apprehend criminals and put a stop to that. But far more than blaming the victim or blaming the cops or blaming the system, we need to recognize that evil exists. And that these things are avoidable, but not without some real cultural, societal heart-to-heart. And in a time when divisiveness, when hostility toward each other, toward our fellow man, is at a, seemingly at an all-time high, it's very hard. To see us coming together to try to work on these problems. Right now you have two U.S. senators, Cory Booker, a Democrat, and Tim Scott, a Republican, working to revive a police reform bill, a very good police reform bill that was killed in 2021. But a Democrat and a Republican coming together amid all the hostility between the parties. Not likely to to get very far because it doesn't do enough to help one team win over the other but at some point we have to stop playing the team politics and we have to start recognizing the evils for what they are we have to start making societal changes not digging in for our team two three two Fifteen forty-two. If you want to call and you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPEL app chat, we're going to take this break. We'll be back in just a moment right here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show breaking news. I love it when I get to do breaking news, but we have some big news right now. It looks like Sean Payton is returning to the NFL. The Saints and the Broncos are working on a deal that would free up Sean Payton in exchange for some compensation. This, according to Adam Schefter, uh, NFL reporter, this would allow Payton to sign with the Broncos to become their next head coach. So Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos looks like that is going to be a thing that happens. You know, I didn't have time to talk about yesterday. I, I watched the games on Sunday and they were both incredibly exciting games but man i feel for for joe burrow if if joe burrow had an offensive line it would have been a completely different game and he he just did not it also didn't help i'm not i'm not going to say that the refs stole it for the chiefs or anything like that um i but what struck me is in that game in particular the referees were making some pretty arbitrary decisions and they kind of favored the chiefs in some way, although there were some that, that favored the, the Bengals as well, but it was just, it was very odd officiating. There was a lot of arbitrary logic, arbitrary rulings made, uh, you know, you can say that the, the last second, uh, late hit penalty is what gave the the Chiefs the win but in that same play the the refs missed t- like two blatant holds and there was never any consideration of that it was just it was always just rush on to the next thing uh in a, just refereeing in particular is is complicated and is very hard and it's it's not something that we can just, you know, say, well, why don't you do a better job or anything like that? But it does seem like there's an increasing amount of wiggle room for referees to make arbitrary calls, to find some way, some loophole to either, uh, you know, declare a penalty or, or vacate a penalty or anything like that. I mean, the the targeting rules alone are incredibly complex. And what looks like clear targeting may not be because the head wasn't at a certain angle or something like that. The, the whole referee situation, particularly in the NFL, just needs a lot of improvement. But it, I am you know, kind of excited for this Super Bowl, and, and I think it will be a, a very good game to watch. I, I have friends who are Eagles fans, and there will be no living with them should Philadelphia win. Uh I know a couple of Chiefs fans and and they're going to be tolerable, but there are Eagles fans who just are absolutely out of their minds. It's one reason why a lot of people outside of Philadelphia don't root for Philadelphia is because the fans are are clearly insane. But it should be an exciting Super Bowl regardless. There's a story that was out a uh a restaurant owner in Arizona uh warned his employees that uh, they will likely be dealing with Philadelphia fans and that they are rude and jerks. And so to just try to be patient with them, which I thought was a hilarious warning and also a true, like universally online, the reaction to that leaked uh, message from a business owner to employees, the response online almost universally was, yeah, this guy's saying nothing wrong. I think Phillies fans were probably you know upset by it, but I guess I need to get Steven Kotowski from the reload on here. Um, Gutowski is from Philadelphia. He is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, I'm sure there will be no living with him should Philadelphia win. But I want to get him on here. We haven't talked in a while. All right, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. When we come back, Ron DeSantis has responded to Donald Trump and all of Trump's attacks. What did he say and why is everybody losing their mind over it? We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show when we come back from our Bottom of the News Hour break right here on KPEL 96.5. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. In fact, we've got a caller on the line now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I talking to? It's
1: Warren Hey Warren, how's it going? Hey Joe, listen, man. I heard you talking the other day about about the asteroid hitting us. Don't worry about it. They got one in the loop. It's going to be here about two thousand twenty nine. I can't you wait know, that long. If, if 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 you if you knew an asteroid was going to destroy the Earth, it wouldn't matter how much money you spent, right? Right. So. That may be the reason that they don't care about how much money they're throwing away uh it's unbelievable, but you know if you look and the next time you hear somebody say, "Pay your fair share," you know God requires ten percent, and our local governments are already over that, not including what the federals want, and that's not good enough. they're hiring all these i r s agents. You know they just greedy. They greedy and evil.
0: Yeah, you know it, the the big claim once again. I, I saw this actually uh, earlier, Warren. Uh, one lefty on uh, it was some. Uh, I think it was Robert Reich who used to work uh, for for the Clinton administration was saying that uh, part of the reason we're having all these problems is that tax revenue is down because of tax cuts. Yada yada yada. When you actually look at the analysis, with the exception of twenty twenty because of COVID nineteen. Tax revenue has been pretty steady. It's not tax tax cuts haven't really affected the government. The problem is, once again, all of the spending. You're absolutely right. They 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 spend far too much and they want to take more and more of it. It is absolute greed. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much for the call, Warren. Always a pleasure. Now I want to move on. I want to I want to get into uh the the one of the big stories right now is that Donald Trump is attacking Ron DeSantis. And then uh, this clip came out a little while ago. It is Ron DeSantis kind of responding to the Donald Trump stuff. But uh, DeSantis doesn't really mention Trump by name. I
2: roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. You've got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win reelection, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. We won by the largest raw vote margin over 1.5 million votes than any uh, governor candidate has ever had in Florida history. And in fact, we almost doubled the previous record, which I think was like 780,000 vote margin. And so what I would just say is uh, that verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida.
0: And he's right. And. Everybody is commenting, oh my gosh, he's going after Trump, he's responding to Trump, it's happening, that sort of thing. The problem is, this is virtually the same thing Ron DeSantis said back in November. I don't have the audio of this one, but here's what he said. One of the things I've learned in this job is when you're leading, when you're getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm, just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning. And it's constantly attacking. This is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term, yet I think what you learn is all that's just noise, and what really matters is are you leading, are you getting in front of the issues, are you delivering results for people, and are you standing up for folks? If you do that, then none of that stuff matters. That's what we've done. We focused on the results and leadership. And at the end of the day, I would just tell people to check the scoreboard from last Tuesday night, virtually the same thing. But everybody right now is obsessed with Trump versus DeSantis. And it's almost unhealthy. It's almost an unhealthy obsession with all of this. Uh, A friend of mine put it this way, the mainstream media's appetite for Trump, a presidential campaign and GOP infighting is really transparent and it really gets in the way of discussion and coverage of real issues, which is a perfect explanation of what's going on here. Right now, everybody wants Trump and DeSantis to fight. And you'll notice there DeSantis once again did not mention Trump. At all. Trump is out there attacking the way DeSantis has been handling COVID or the way DeSantis handled COVID-19. The problem being what Trump is attacking is actually not truthful at all. Trump is saying that DeSantis closed beaches. No, local governmental bodies closed some public beaches and DeSantis fought them to reopen those beaches. Trump is saying that DeSantis shut the state down. No, DeSantis kept his state open. And in fact, the Trump administration... Fought with Desantis on the reopening of schools, but everybody wants this fight. There's, there was a story at the Hill this morning. Uh, the Hill is a is a largely left wing media outlet that reports on stuff in Washington D.C., and it said uh, the 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 Trump Desantis rivalry is kicking into full gear, something like that. The problem is there's no rivalry. A rivalry can't be one-sided. That's an obsession. Right now, Trump's obsession is Ron DeSantis, a guy who, I might add, Trump bragged about voting for. Trump's residence is in Florida. He voted for Ron DeSantis. But, but Trump is attacking DeSantis because that's the only thing he can do right now. His campaign is struggling. He's not really raising any more money for his campaign. He's struggling there. He's finally starting to kind of get a campaign trail going. Meanwhile, DeSantis is just leading his state. He just ordered his universities to get rid of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion departments and CRT programs. He's fighting those cultural battles. Some of them are good wins. Some of them... The worse it happens that he takes a, that people just kind of shrug it off and keep going. Desantis hasn't really lost a battle yet, not anything that's been measurable in public opinion. But there's going to come a point in the very near future when the GOP is going to have to, you know, stand up and decide who do they want. And I find it very fascinating that the bulwark, an anti-Trump outfit that has really morphed into anti-Republican you know it's it was started by some so-called republicans and conservatives including some people i know and 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 liked they you know we're not really friends now but uh they had a poll out today um let me see if i can find yeah here we go so The top line results of this poll in a head to head match, DeSantis leads Trump 52 percent to 30 percent with 15 percent undecided and 3 percent saying they would not vote if those were the only two options with DeSantis, Trump and another candidate. DeSantis got 44 percent. Trump got 28 percent and the generic another candidate got 10 percent with 17 percent undecided in a 10 candidate field. DeSantis got 39 percent. Trump got 28 percent and Pence got 9 percent. Nikki Haley and Liz Cheney, 4% each, and the other five candidates registered at 1%. In that scenario, 13% of respondents were undecided. So the bulwark spin is, how big is the always Trump faction of the Republican Party? 28%. And it's really mind-boggling that that that, that would be the angle they take. When you just showed 72% of Republican voters are looking for somebody else, Despite the fact that Trump is the only named candidate, he is the only declared candidate so far, 72% of Republican voters are looking for somebody else, and your spin is, well, the always-Trump faction of the Republican Party is 28%, and that's unacceptable, blah, 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 blah. That's why the GOP could be sleepwalking into another Donald Trump catastrophe. That's the bulwark. Saying this because... Not that it's true. Not that there's any real danger in this process. The bulwark, like so many in the mainstream media, desperately want there to be a fight between Donald Trump and somebody else. Matt Lewis, a supposed conservative who writes columns of the Daily Beast, had an article today said Nikki Haley and uh, Ron DeSantis need to stand up and take the fight to Trump. Absolutely not. If he paid attention to what happened in 2016, taking the fight to Trump is the worst thing you could do. The more air you give him, the more attention you give him, the more you get dragged down into the mud with Donald Trump. That is just the basic strategy. There's a reason Joe Biden stayed in the basement all of 2020. It's not because, well, I mean, it's it's also because he's old and feeble minded, but a huge portion of that strategy was don't get in the fights with Trump. Stay in your basement. Let your surrogates go around and do the fighting for you. But you stay clean. You don't have to engage with him. And in the couple of debates they had when he did engage with Trump, it didn't really look great for either man, because when you fight with Trump, you get dragged down into the mud. So Ron DeSantis isn't going to go out and directly attack Trump. He's not going to sit there and trash Trump or his presidency or anything like that, because he knows there's a portion of his base that likes Trump, and he knows that when you fight with Trump... There's a ton of mudslinging. Everybody gets dirty. Nobody walks away from that, you know, with clean hands and the ability to succeed. So if DeSantis is running, we assume he is. He hasn't said whether or not he is, but we assume he is. If DeSantis is running, then he's certainly not going to tangle with Donald Trump right now. Instead, he's going to lay back, he's going to sit there and continue fighting the battles that he's fighting in Florida and winning those battles, and he's going to come away with a resume. And yes, the people of Florida voted overwhelmingly for Ron DeSantis in, a, in record numbers in Florida. If DeSantis is running, though, he's got to move that Florida appeal and see how much of the rest of the country has, uh, feels the same way. Because Ron DeSantis' act in Florida may not be the act that sells in a more moderate Republican state. So you've got to find a way to fine-tune your message. Right now, he's focused on Florida. He just won re-election there. He's still the governor there. He's got a legislative session coming up. But it's not going to be too long before he takes his act on the road. And we're going to see whether or not. We're going to see whether or not. Ron DeSantis has any viability as a nationwide candidate. I think he does, but we'll see. All right, 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take our final break of the day. When we come back, more on this and some other issues right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232-1542. If you want to get in before the end of the show, You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. There is another story out at Axios I wanted to get into before we got out of here today. New compensation data shows inflation pressure is fading. A major undercurrent of last year's entire economic policy debate has been this question. Is compensation for American workers spiraling upward because of a tight job market destined to fuel inflation? New data points decidedly towards no. If wage inflation continues to fade, admittedly a big if, the Fed will be able to declare victory on inflation without engineering a steep economic contraction. It looks increasingly like the surge in worker compensation in late 2021 and early 2022 was a one-time bump rather than the beginning of an upward wage spiral. The Employment Cost Index, the gold standard of measures of worker compensation, rose 1% in the final three months of 2022 below the 1.2% analysts had expected. So, in other words, that wage growth may be slowing down, which the Fed had always taken into consideration that wage growth, if it grew too fast might force them to take more anti-inflationary measures because the more the wages went up the more money went into the system that would help kind of stall the effects of inflation all right uh let's go to the phone lines now hi welcome to the joe cunningham show who am i talking to uh larry hi larry how
1: are you i'm good i'm uh, i'm curious uh we were talking about the poll earlier between Trump and DeSantis and all the other candidates. Yeah, what poll was that? Uh,
0: that was one. I believe it was done by the Bulwark itself. Uh, let me let me go double check on that real quick. Um, they they released they had an exclusive poll that they had done. Let me see who that was through. Uh, so yeah. it was through a G, it was through a GOP pollster, Whit Ayers, who I've met. Uh, He's with North Star Opinion Research. Wit Ayres doesn't do a whole lot of like the public stuff that we saw during the midterms or anything like that. Um, and he does yeah. very detailed polling. So I, if it's got Whit Ayres' name on it, I would I would trust those results pretty well. And I, I know we've had the problems with polling and everything like that, but I, I would tend to kind of trust those results a bit more than say some of the public ones that are out there.
1: Well, I listen to all sorts of different ones, and it's it's all over the place. So I'm sure. Yeah. Trump we ahead. And uh so that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, my, my my approach or my position at this point is that um there's there's a lot uh Trump is proving. We if he if Trump says he's gonna do something, he pretty much does it. Mm-hmm. But the only issue I would have and I know several other people question it, is uh his stance on COVID. Mm-hmm. But he's very shrewd and very skilled. Mm-hmm. And, for example, him uh, s- uh, supporting McCarthy, mm-hmm. him supporting Rona, guy's clever as a fox. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I just – and I'm, I've am i heard quite a few disparaging things about the Sanders. Have you ever heard of Laura Loomer?
0: Yes, Laura Loomer. Yes, I have.
1: Okay. Oh. Okay, because boy, she's—I'm not going to talk about everything she said, but if he can be believed, I think that Trump's going to make mincemeat uh, out of uh, the Sanders when the big boys start really getting at it.
0: Well, uh, we'll have to see. I'm—I I'm, think it's going to be a very interesting primary fight. Larry, thank you very much. Unfortunately, I'm out of time for the day. Uh, thank you all for listening. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And you can uh, find me on Substack, .substack JoeCunninghamShow.Substack.com. Shannon is off sides next. In the meantime, reach out. Love to talk with you guys. I'm going to be back here in 23 hours right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.